Hi, this is Byron. We find ourselves living in a unique time. Because of the worldwide coronavirus pandemic, many aspects of our economic and personal lives that we thought were solid and dependable are now being shaken and shown to be a little more brittle than we'd ever imagined. Like everything else these days, our annual celebration of Easter Sunday, well, it's just gonna be a little different this year. Churches will be empty and many other ways in which we normally celebrate are gonna to have to be put off until next year. But since it is Easter, I wanted to share a few thoughts with you in the following podcast. It's not much here about investments or financial planning, and there are some personal reflections that have a decidedly Easter bent to them. So if that's not something of interest to you, you can feel free to skip this podcast. But I offer these reflections to you just as one friend to another during a very unique time. If you're inclined to listen, I hope you'll find my thoughts thought-provoking. Thanks for listening. Freedom is one of those things that we as Americans prize very, very highly. In fact, Americans prize freedom almost above anything else. In the past, we've proven that we'll even die to ensure freedom for those that we love. But we find ourselves living in a time when that precious gift of freedom has been largely taken away from us by an invisible enemy that no one had even heard of until about a month ago. The novel coronavirus, or COVID-19, wasn't even part of the American vocabulary until about 30 days ago. And yet it has changed life as we know it. It's put our lives into kind of a freeze frame, a, a full stop, a worldwide timeout, which has brought economies and societies to their knees. We yearn for freedom, and at the same time, we mourn her loss. But this involuntary timeout may be giving us the opportunity to think more deeply about the freedoms that until now, many of us took for granted. So what is freedom, really? We know that freedom is more than simply the ability to do whatever you want to do on a whim. Tony Evans said that you can choose your actions or you can choose your consequences. You just can't choose both. You're free to eat a gallon of ice cream every day, but in doing so, you become a slave to obesity. You can drink a fifth of whiskey every night, but in doing so, you lose the freedom of sobriety. You're free to max out your credit card to buy whatever your heart desires, but in doing so, you become a slave of debt. So in a sense, true freedom is choosing what we'll be enslaved to so that we can enjoy a corresponding freedom. An athlete chooses to enslave himself to practice so that he'll enjoy the freedom of a great performance at game time. An artist chooses to enslave herself to years of training and practice and work so that one day she'll enjoy the freedom of her life's creation. A scholar enslaves himself to the book so that one day he might be free to teach the text. And parents enslave themselves to the needs of their children so they might be free to raise the family they wish to have. So freedom is not really the freedom from something so much as it is the freedom to do something meaningful, something important, something significant. But there's another aspect of freedom. All of us long to be free from things that burden us so that we can be free to live a worry-free life. We want to be free from worry. We want to be free from fear. We want to be free from a wasted life, free from fear of death. Yet we also long to be the person, the best person we were created to be. 
Whether or not we put it in these exact words, I believe we long to fulfill the image of God within us. We long to be free to be all that God created us to be. You can't be free to be who you want to be or do what you want to do when you are controlled by fear. Just think about the fears on nearly everyone's minds today. Fear of social disruptions caused by coronavirus. Fear of economic uncertainty caused by coronavirus. Fear of health risks caused by coronavirus. And fear of death caused by coronavirus. The sudden onset of the coronavirus pandemic has shaken us all and taken away many of these freedoms. Now, I'm actually optimistic about our economic and societal future because I believe America and the American experiment is the best that's ever been. I think we can all agree it's not perfect, but I think America is the freest and most just society ever. And I believe it is the society that is most conducive to human flourishing that has ever existed in history. Given that, I'm really optimistic about our ability to come together and overcome the societal and economic challenges presented to us by this coronavirus. But what about health? Not so much America's overall health, but my health and your health. Well, I'm feeling pretty optimistic about that. I had a good workout this week and I feel pretty good today. But I heard a guy named Todd Wagner say something recently that really stopped me in my tracks. Todd said, good health is the slowest path to a certain death. Ouch. But you know, it's true, isn't it? As part of my work as a financial advisor, I have conversations all the time with people about the intersection of their lives and their money. And inevitably, those conversations are about life, but they're also about death. And sometimes someone will say something like, if something should ever happen to me, sometimes I'll interrupt them and I'll say, if? Sometimes it takes them a second, but they'll get it and they'll laugh at themselves. You see, when you think about this whole matter of death, it's not a matter of if, but when. Most of us have a difficult time admitting, much less thinking deeply and thoughtfully about our own death. Even now, some of you are starting to tune me out, but hang in there for just a minute, okay? It's coming. I feel great today, and I hope to have decades left on this planet. But at best, that's all it is, a few decades, if that. That's for me. What about for you? Precisely because we are naturally uneasy just thinking about death, we can actually experience a loss of freedom while we're alive. We're not truly free to live because we're held captive by our fear of death. Well, it's Easter. Perhaps more than any other Easter in my lifetime, the world is thinking about life and death. Christians celebrate Easter as the day Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In fact, because of this, Easter Sunday is often called Resurrection Sunday. Christianity still has a very strong influence on America and American culture. When I was growing up, I don't think I knew anyone that didn't belong to a church somewhere. I think I basically thought because I was American, that meant I was Christian. As I grew up, there was this unspoken social agreement that I was supposed to affirm a set of basic beliefs belief that God existed, that he made up the world, and that he had a son named Jesus. It was kind of difficult to escape those claims if you grew up in the American South of the mid-20th century like I did. Just the annual celebrations of Christmas and Easter made the basic outline of Christian beliefs rather obvious. 
But just like a lot of us are having right now, I had a crisis in my life when I was younger, and it made me re-examine what I believed and what I held to be true. How do you get into heaven? Does everyone get in? Even bad people? Even Hitler? But if not everyone, well, exactly where's the line drawn? And am I on the right side of that line? Is it like a balance scale where you put all the good things you've done in your life on one side of the scale and all the bad on the other and whichever weighs the most determines which way you're going up or down? Or is it more like an infectious disease? What if it worked more like the coronavirus? You may be totally healthy in every observable way, but if just a little tiny bit of the coronavirus gets into you, well, it can kill you. I think most of us have a general agreement about certain things in life. We have an aspiration for what we think is a good life, but there's obstacles that stand in our way. We know there's something wrong on the inside of us. Maybe we're not even sure where it is, but we know it's there. We've all got a nearly insatiable appetite for love and security and significance. But our drive to satisfy those needs actually causes a lot of our problems. In fact, it can even hold us captive. They can actually ex keep us from experiencing the freedom that only comes when you truly find love and security and significance. Well, if you're anything like me, you've always believed, at least in your mind, that God exists, He's there. I've just never found very convincing the argument that everything that we see, the beauty, the complexity, all somehow just happened as a cosmic accident. That seems to me to require a lot more faith than I have to believe in a God who created the whole thing. In fact, there was a book I read a few years ago, and the title of it was, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And that pretty much sums it up for me. I just never really questioned the fact of God's existence. But it also dawned on me one day that my intellectual belief might not be enough. In fact, someone one time asked me to consider what would happen if the moment after I died, God met me at heaven's gate and asked me, why should I let you in? Uh-oh. <laughs> I totally stink at pop quizzes. I freeze up. Sometimes I can't remember my own name, much less the answer to the pop quiz. But when presented with that question, the one of God asking me why he should let me into heaven, I think I did what most people do. My mind started going to all the good stuff that I've done and trying to forget all the bad stuff. Maybe, just maybe, I could tip the scale at 51%. But again, what if that was the wrong paradigm? What if it wasn't a scale, but an infection-free zone? These days, I think the first thing that they're doing at most hospitals when workers arrive is test them for the coronavirus symptoms. In fact, if there was an instrument that they could use to see if there was any coronavirus in their system, no matter how well they felt or whether or not they had any visible symptoms, if there was any coronavirus in their system at all, I can assure you they would not be allowed into the hospital to work. Why? Well, because they would contaminate the environment. Just the smallest amount of contaminant infects an otherwise sterile and safe environment. Sorry, no admittance. This virus paradigm helped me to understand what I was missing in my understanding of what it took to get into heaven. It wasn't that my conception of the scale was completely wrong, but rather than 51% tipping the scales in my favor, it was worse. Anything less than 100% was unacceptable. No admittance. 
It's like playing a baseball game where you've got to bat a thousand and have zero errors to win the game. And of course, no one's ever done that before because no one's perfect, except God, which explains the rather high standard. So God has this seemingly impossible standard, perfection, that I've got to be free of the virus of perfection, and the Bible calls this sin. But the Bible also says that God loves us. After all, He made us. He can't violate His own standard of perfection. The Bible calls this His holiness. He simply will not let the virus of sin into His environment. But can't God just overlook it, we might ask? Well, yes, He could, but then He'd be violating His own standard of perfection. Now, we may not completely understand it, but the Bible portrays God as having put Himself in a bind, having painted Himself into a corner. On one hand, He's committed to His perfect holiness. On the other, He loves us and He wants us to be with Him forever. But if I fall short of God's standard of perfection and I'm not allowed into heaven, then I am doomed unless there's a solution. And that's where Jesus and Christmas and Easter come in. If Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, then Christmas is the celebration of Jesus coming into the world. It's God coming into the world as a baby who would grow up to be a man. The Bible says he was the God-man. Let's suppose you were in a hospital dying of cancer, and I came to you and I said, let's take the cancer cells from your body and put them into my body. Now, if that was possible, what would happen? Well, I would die, and you would live. I would have been your substitute. And that's really the essence of Easter. Jesus Christ came to the earth to live a perfect life as a man, but only God could live the perfect life. And he willingly died on the cross as a substitute for me, and you too, if you care to accept his gift. The Bible says it this way in the book of Romans. God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, back to my crisis. When all this started to rise to the front and center of my life, I realized I already believed a lot of this stuff, maybe all of it, but it wasn't really making any difference in my life. And for me, I think it went back to this cultural Christianity in the world that I grew up in. It was so present that I hardly saw it anymore, kind of like that piece of furniture in your house that you don't even see when you go in the front door. But I was missing the key part, which is what to do with all this. Here was God offering me this gift of forgiveness for my sins. And my response was more or less, yeah, I believe that. I believe it all happened. I believe you did that. The coming, the dying, the resurrected. Sure, I believe all that. Someone was trying to give me a gift. And my response was to acknowledge that the gift exists. But I never accepted the gift. I never received the gift. 35 years ago, I married Melinda Burns. I was attracted to her. I thought she was so cute. I fell in love with her. I wanted to be with her. But there was this moment in time, exactly 3 p.m. on Saturday, February the 16th, 1985, when I said two very fateful words, I do. And that changed everything. We became man and wife. She accepted me. I accepted her. We were wed. I could have gone my whole life believing in the existence of Melinda Burns and of her many, many lovely qualities. But until I received her as my wife, we were not married. And it's kind of like that with Jesus. It's one thing to intellectually believe he exists and to believe as fact everything the Bible says to be true about him. 
But there's a line that you cross when you accept him. In essence, you say, I do, to him. It's you acknowledging, I have no other way of ever being acceptable to God but through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That was the sticking point for me. I'd intellectually believed in him, but I'd never received him. Someone once explained to me it was really trusting him with my eternity. So I guess that's my invitation to you this Easter week. I'm inviting you to reconsider who Jesus Christ is to you and why you think he came, why he died, and whether or not he really did rise from the dead. Because if he didn't rise, well, then all this Easter stuff, it's really just a scam. But if he did come, and if he did rise from the dead, well, that changes everything. But please don't stop there at the point of simply believing that he rose from the dead. Because the Bible claims he rose from the dead for you. He's offering a gift, a free gift of forgiveness for your sins, of acceptance by God, of new life of abundant life, of eternal life with Him. But it's a gift offered that must be accepted. So my question to you is, have you accepted it? If not, you can do that by humbly talking with God right now in what we all call prayer. No fancy words needed, just a humble heart willing to accept God's free gift of Jesus Christ on His terms. There's a sense in which I'm really grateful for this coronavirus. I think it's causing us all to think about life and death and what's really important in both. I hope you'll join me this Easter week in thinking more deeply than maybe you ever have about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe He's the key to experiencing real and lasting freedom in this life. Happy Easter. I hope this is the Easter that you discover what it really, really means to be free. Thanks for listening.